At the weekend and uh, in this church, uh, we want to look at, at following Jesus, being a disciple, what does that mean? And there's the metaphor of a journey. There's a journey through life and we want to journey on with God in faith and be the kind of men and women that God's called us to be, don't we? And so we're thinking of that idea of journey and uh, that was one of the, the metaphors we looked at the weekend away. And right back from the great journey that God called his people out of Egypt, didn't he? And they journeyed into the promised land, calling out of slavery into the freedom of the land of promises. And God wants to do that, uh, not just historically, but to do that in our lives. Call us out of where we're at. Call us out of our addictions and the chains that bind us up and help us to more and more be released into his freedom and carry on in the great journey that he's called us to. So it's a really important metaphor to get hold of. If you're going somewhere, it's good to know where you're going. I don't know about you, uh, but uh, I was remembering years ago uh, with my a friend at the time called Paul, not this Paul or the various other Pauls in the church, but another Paul. And uh, we had to go to Streatham from East Dulwich. And I was driving, um, and I knew how to get where we were going, but it, it wasn't the quickest route. And my friend Paul knew a quicker and better route. So we had this kind of argument, should we go my way or should we go his way? And uh, what happened is we took two hours to drive from East Dulwich to Streatham because he wanted to go his way and I started off going his way and then I thought, I don't really like this way, I'll go my way. But going onto my way from his way took us the wrong way and we, we, it wasn't even in the rush hour or anything like that, we went round and round and eventually got there about two hours late. So it's important to know where you're going. And uh, just to get hold of a vision of what God wants. And I like the idea of people that have a dream. That have a dream. And one of the most famous uh, examples of a speech about having a dream is in the next slide. Sam, who's not paying attention. He's doing something on his mobile. But... Uh, this speech that is well known, I'm not trying, going to try and speak it out or do the accident, but let's read it together. It's just a, a little part from this famous speech. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of that character. And that speech was given in August 1963. I think if he gave it today, it'd probably be more in gender-inclusive language. But a great dream and a picture of something to go for, something to aspire to. And we can think, 
what progress has been made over the last 50 years towards that dream. Another man who had a dream from South Africa, Desmond Tutu, and let's read this little portion from what he's written together. I have a dream. It's a dream of a world whose ugliness and squalor and poverty, its war and hostility, its greed and harsh competitiveness, its alienation and disharmony are changed into their glorious counterparts when there will be no more laughter, joy and peace, where there will be justice and goodness and compassion and love and caring and sharing. He goes on there, but what he says is that he doesn't see that as his personal dream. He sees that as God's dream. And I like that concept. So God's got a dream. God's trying to do something. And I like the idea of being on a journey with God and finding my place, my part in what God's doing. And there's so much in the Bible about God's dream. I've just got two small passages here, one more to read out together. And let's do this, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of God, the Master, is on me because God anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the heartbroken, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies, and to comfort all who mourn, to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion. Give them bouquet of roses instead of ashes, messages of joy instead of news of doom, a praising heart instead of a languid spirit. Rename them oaks of righteousness, planted by God to display his glory. They'll rebuild the old ruins and raise a new city out of the wreckage. And that's God's announcement in Isaiah. And then, you know, Jesus picked that up and used part of that as his manifesto when he started his earthly ministry. And then the aim is that verse in Revelation that we'll read together now, Revelation eleven fifteen, That at the end of time, the kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of our God and his Messiah. And he will rule forever and ever. And God's got a great dream. He started this beautiful world. He's the wonderful creator. Everything he made was good, 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 very good. And then we know that sin and temptation and then uh, pain and suffering has come into our world. But God is our rescuer. He's putting things right. He's going to head everything up under Jesus and make everything right again, functioning in harmony and love and blessing. And we've all got a part to play in that dream. And put up one more passage. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 1. It says this in the message version. God is the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundation, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. And I really felt that was coming out in the worship this morning. For us to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us 
into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, we're a free people, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. Now we just read three passages on those last two slides, a little glimpse into God's dream, how he saw that there was going to be a mess, that he saw that there was going to be suffering, but he came in the person of Jesus Christ, and in Jesus Christ he makes all things new. He calls every one of us to get on board, to find our place in Jesus, and to play our part in God's kingdom, and he's working with this wonderful purpose. He wants to set people free and make us the people that we were destined to be. And those verses that we read are just a small taste of God's wonderful dream for us. And he wants to make it into reality more and more. And he wants to use us in that process. I think it was St. Augustine that said something like, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. So we can do nothing really on our own strength and our own abilities. We need God to be at work. But God chooses not just to do it all himself. He wants to raise us up as his sons and daughters, as his agents of change, as people that bring love and care and transformation into the world. He's not just going to do it himself. He's calling us to get on board in his great purposes. He's not just looking for for church pastors. He's looking for nurses and teachers and cleaners and dustbin men and programmers and businessmen and engineers, all of us to play our part in our life and in our work to make a difference for him and to bring his kingdom in and to bring his dream into reality. So there's a sense of that kind of picture. We're going somewhere. God's on the move. And life isn't so much about me fulfilling my dream, living the dream, trying to find out who I am, self-help books, whatever. It's more about me trying to find my part in God's great purpose. I think Spike Milligan wrote his autobiography, My Part in Hitler's Downfall. And I don't know if you like Spike Milligan. But uh, what's our part, not in God's downfall, but in Satan's downfall, What's our part in bringing God's dream to reality? And you can laugh at one, yeah, who am I? Who's little me? But Spike Milligan did fight in the war and played a part in bringing down fascism and bringing down uh, Hitler. We've all got a part to play. What's my part? Let's be on a great journey with God, playing our part in what he's doing in this world.
if you're going on a journey, it's good to know where you're going. It's also important to start the journey. And uh, I wanted to, someone else to share from the weekend away, and his name's Gary. And uh, he's going to take us back a little way and then bring us up to date to last Sunday. But it's about starting the journey. So come and Gary and tell us a little bit about your journey. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, I just wanted to quickly share with you um, my story began really when I went to the food bank and I know Diana and Chris and probably Paul remember my first days at the food bank and I wasn't going there to work, I was going there to get some help because my life was in a mess and I was very low, very depressed. I had my benefits stopped because letters had gone to the wrong address, not my address. So I had my benefit stopped for weeks and it was quite a struggle, as you probably remember, Diana, to get it all back. After about three weeks of going to the food bank for some help, I asked if they wanted some help. I could see they were really busy. And um, they said, yes, come give us a hand. So I helped, you know, around the place, packing bits, getting things off shelves, this and that. And about three and a half years back down the line, I'm here now and I'm manager of Food Bank. Thank you. Sorry, it's a bit emotional, this. <laughs> um, the last time I actually did anything in a church was many years ago when, um, in St. Luke's in Chelsea. I did a solo. Uh, can't sing now. No good. <laughs> I was a surprise. Yeah, I was a choir boy then, yeah. yeah. So it was many years ago. But this is the first time I've done anything in a church, spoke or sung since. So, But last week I went to Ashburnham and had a wonderful time. I met a lot of marvellous people. Um, some people I didn't have a clue who they were. And some people knew me and were great. But the people I didn't know... I made some great new friends from this church. And I actually, along with Paul Glennie and Paul Bigmore, I sat and at the table, 9.15, last Sunday morning, uh, I gave my life to Jesus. Thank you, thank you. And since then, I've actually felt a completely different person. Um, even some of my aches and pains have gone. <laughs> my, knee, my knee's feeling a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think we can all have hope. You know, if we believe in Jesus, we can all have hope and turn our lives around. So thank you all. Thank you very much. That's brilliant. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having the courage to share that as well. You're smiling a lot more. Yeah. This last week, you're smiling. It's fantastic. And so, the journey. 
a sense of vision and destination being part of what God's doing, starting the journey. And it's so encouraging that someone started the journey, and as well as Gary turning up in fear and trepidation at Food Bank. And we're kind of used to food banks, aren't we? But it's really having to go to one yourself. And I know Gary kind of crept up to the front door and then went away again. And Diana had to say, yeah, come on, it's okay. Really difficult to, to go to, but has found the Lord now and has found a good way in life. And it's exciting just to hear people beginning their journeys. And it'd be great if we, uh, we're going to spend a little time praying in a minute. We can pray for people. Uh, and you want to encourage others to find their way to Jesus. You want to, you're praying for people. Maybe you've been praying for a long time and think, oh, you know, nothing's happening. But let's be encouraged to keep reaching out and keep praying and encouraging people to start their journey. And uh, as I said earlier, one of the next things we do as a church is the Alpha Course. It's a great way to help people start their journey of following Jesus. But the last bit, I want to go back to what Sarah started off with, was looking very briefly at two passages that our speaker mentioned last week. And uh, the first of them is that passage in Daniel 3, and it's about being in the fire and... uh, You know the story, if you've been in church for a while, Nebuchadnezzar set up the gold statue and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said they're not going to bow down and worship it. And then um, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, uh, if you don't bow down and worship it, I'm going to turn you into human KFC. And they said, we're still not going to bow down and worship it. And um, he says this, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. And what happened next? If you know the story. They were bound up. Yep. And then what happened? They were thrown in the fire. And then what happened? Sorry? Yeah, the people actually threw them in. Flames were so hot, they perished in the process. Then what happened? Yep, they could see a fourth person. And God was with them, and Jesus was in that experience. And they were bound up, but they were seen walking around, so the things that bound them were burned off. And... Peter Reed, our speaker, said sometimes we're going to go through the fire. We really are. We're not immune from that. We're not immune from that kind of experience. It may be a kind of full-on attack from the enemy against you. It may be that temptations come your way and tripped you up. It may be something bad has happened to you because of the fallen worlds that we live in. And uh, this week I met a couple whose daughter's got cancer, huge situation of being in the fire. I've spoken to people 
uh, where it's relationship issues that are really like a fire to them. And on the journey, sometimes we'll be in that place where we're going through the fire. And what Peter wanted us to, to know is that Jesus is with us even in those times of pressure and even in those times of persecution, even in those times that we're in the fire. What we need to know is that Jesus is with us in those times. And he can bring us through. And the only thing that got burnt was the, the ropes that were tying them up. They didn't get burnt at all. Jesus can be with us in the fire and he can bring us through. And he wanted to encourage us in that. And I think that's true of some of us today. We may be feeling that on my journey following Jesus, it's a bit like I'm in the fire at the moment. And we want to pray for you today that you'll know God with you in that situation and you can walk out of it and walk through it. And the other passage, and we saw that kind of Lego uh, reading of it, was onto the water, and that's Matthew chapter 14, and it says this, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples got back into the boat to cross to the other side of the lake. After sending the people home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, Tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. And I just want to say a few things about that and I want us to pray for each other in the light of it as well. And one of the things I noticed was the importance of prayer to Jesus. If you think there's anyone that didn't need to pray, it would be Jesus. He had wonderful communion with Father in heaven, but he prioritized prayer. And it is important, I need to say this to myself, I'm not uh, a great prayer expert, but to pray personally, to pray with a prayer partner, to gather together in small groups like house groups, and pray to come to a church prayer meeting. We're praying tonight. We pray on Sunday nights at Here for Good. If there's a better time in the week, that more of you would come. We'll switch to that. But at the moment, we're praying on Sunday nights. It's so important to pray. But I'm, I'm not kind of naturally a prayer. I'm more of a doer. I like to do things to help people. And at one level, you could think, well, is it a waste of time? I'm not kind of doing anything. If I go and work in the food bank, I can give someone a food parcel. I've done something. If I'm praying, am I wasting my time? Well, prayer is a real act of faith and trust in God. At one level, you can think, I'm not doing anything, I'm wasting my time. But you're spending time, you're giving your heart and energy and thought and mind and spirit to prayer, and you're doing it in faith that God is going to work and God is going to move. And it's such an important thing to do, and we're going to close our service by having opportunity to worship and to pray for each other. 
And Galena was talking about house group. It's, at one level, it's just a bunch of people in someone's living room. But none of us in that room could have taken her pain away. But we prayed, and God took it away. There's, we need to depend on God. We depend on God in prayer. Prayer was crucial to Jesus. And then the walking on the water. And Peter, our speaker last week, encouraged us to have an expectation of the supernatural. It's not just about me trying to do my best in life, try a bit harder. It's about God working and God moving and God doing his thing. And Peter also said it's not about sitting in the boat and looking out and saying, wow, it's great that Jesus can do that. Isn't it fantastic what Jesus can do? Actually, Peter, even though he stumbled and he was falling, Peter had the courage to say, well, if you can do that, Jesus, if you're doing amazing, miraculous stuff, can I do that myself? Can I join in? And so the encouragement we had was to look to God, to look for supernatural things to happen, to go beyond ourselves, and not just to sit back and think, isn't it great that Jesus can do this stuff? but to be ready to get out of the boat and take a risk and do some stuff ourselves. And at the weekend, a kind of sign of the supernatural can be the gift of speaking in tongues. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it's a sign. It's often a beginning point because you're speaking in a language you haven't learned naturally. It just flows from you. And Paul uh, Glennie was sharing about how years ago at the same venue, uh, the speaker was challenging everyone to step forward in that way. And he was like, no, 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 I can't do that. And then uh, we ended up having a walk around the other side of the lake. And it just started a move of God's Holy Spirit in Paul as he had the courage to reach out in that way. It's a sign of the supernatural. And when Paul, the apostle, was on a journey, he found a group of believers, you can read it, in uh, Ephesians 19 and they kind of repented towards God and they knew a little bit about God but they hadn't really encountered Jesus and they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit and they said we don't really know anything about the Holy Spirit and Paul prayed for them and they prophesied that means to sense you're hearing something from God and speaking it out to bless others and they started to speak in tongues and Paul made sure they got hold of the Holy Spirit so they could be effective in their journey. And it's important to start the journey. It's important to know that God's with us even in the fire. And it's important to grow in the journey by depending on God and having the confidence to step out in faith and to move in the supernatural. I first got that gift uh, back in 1982 at a meeting. And... Uh, Sarah's kind of referred to this, and I hadn't made the kind of link with, with Ella, but uh, it was very interesting at the weekend away, and just in a meeting like this, and there's a lady called Ray, and I felt I should go over and pray with her. She was sitting next to, to Sheila there, so we prayed. And I prayed a bit in English, and a kind of picture I had in my mind was like a tap turned on and water flowing. And that was a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was flowing into her life and flowing out of her and, and driving rubbish away as part of that process. 
And I prayed that in English. And I prayed a bit for her in tongues. Just something that you can do as the Holy Spirit enables you. I didn't think anything more of it. And then after the meeting, Sheila said, do you realize that what you prayed in English, you also played in Malayanam, the Indian language of Kerala? But I had no idea. And it was the same, same thoughts and same idea of rubbish being and purity coming in Malayanam as in English. So it's kind of reinforcing it. I had no idea. I'm just blessed that God can use us and we can move in supernatural ways. And I think that gift is to be used in worship. We can be freer in worship if we go for it in the spirit and speak in tongues. I was thinking this week, how have I used that gift? You can talk about it on Sunday and think of examples, but how have I used it in the last week? And I've found that gift has been useful in my prayer life. And it's called sometimes a prayer language. Tongues is a, it could be a language of uh, this world. It could be a language of angels. But it helps us to pray. And I find it helps me to kind of battle away for things in prayer. And the two things this week that I've uh, used it for, found myself speaking in tongues in prayer for. One was for uh, our eldest son who's been unemployed for a while, just praying for him to get a job. I just felt moved not only to pray for that in English, but to pray for that in prayer language, praying in tongues. And the other situation is a, a couple, and uh, just we're trying to support them. They live in Forest Hill, um, and their 18-year-old daughter's been diagnosed with serious cancer. And I just bumped into them out of the blue unexpectedly in Dulwich on Monday just to get an update. And they're trying to support their daughter, I believe God's with her and healing her. She's going through the treatment. But they've got an 18-year-old. She's lost all her hair because of the chemotherapy. She's doing chemo. Then she's going to need radiotherapy and then more chemo. Then she's going to go abroad for proton beam therapy throughout this year of very harsh treatment to save her life. And I've been praying for her and I was renewed in my prayers for her and for her parents, and English kind of ran out, and that prayer language, speaking in tongues, began to flow, and I used it to battle away against the enemy and to pray in God's healing power. I think that's really, really important. I was really blessed by Jane's testimony earlier on. So we're on a journey. God's got a great dream for the world, and he's calling everyone on board And he's working towards this wonderful kingdom that's going to fill all the earth and the new heavens and the new earth are going to come. And we've all got a part to play in that. It's important to start the journey. Thank you, Gary. It's important to be praying for people and reaching out them to help them start the journey. And then as we go on in the journey, sometimes we'll be going through fire and Jesus is with us. And he's calling us to step out in faith with him. Get out of the boat and get more into the supernatural power of God. Let's respond in prayer and perhaps Dion and the band could come up and help lead in some worship as well. But I'd like a few of us to, to stand. It'd be good if, if Gary, you could stand for starting the journey. If anyone's also recently started the journey, if you could also stand. If you're praying away, 
and you're praying for someone to come to know Jesus and you are blessed by uh, hearing Gary's story, will not you stand? want to encourage people that really got a heart to pray for others to come to know the Lord. So do stand if that's you. If you're going through the fire, I'd like you to, to stand as well. If you're going through the fire, you really need to know Jesus is with you in the fire. Or if you want to step out in faith, maybe flow in the gift of tongues more or move out in the supernatural, God's challenging you. What's the last thing you did that depended on Jesus moving, not just depended on your own strengths and abilities, but the last thing you did that you really totally depends on God breaking through. I'd like you to stand up. So moving in, in faith and the supernatural more, feeling you're in the fire, starting the journey, or you've got a real heart to pray for others to come to know Jesus. If you stand, that's great.